Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal setting, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie, currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Jamie, it's another week. And you're recording a podcast in 47 degree Fahrenheit weather at a coffee shop, Michigan. How are we feeling? Yeah. No. So listeners and viewers, uh, don't ever say I didn't do anything for you. Uh, no, it's kind of my own fault. It's my, I, I rant about it every single week, how bad the internet is at the place I'm renting. Good news. Next week's podcast, I should be in my own place and I am paying a lot of money for the fast internet because I am just over it right now. So definitely subscribe to the Patreon so I can continue to pay for the internet. But uh, I, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. And I actually have been hitting my hotspot on my phone for all my calls so much that I hit the hotspot limit. And I didn't even know that was a thing, but apparently I hit it. This is unbelievable. So I had to go spend $4 on a brewed coffee. And uh, you know what? Shout out Stovetop Roasters though. It's not Madcap, but it is a local Grand Rapids thing. And since I am now a Grand Rapids resident, uh, big Grand Rapids guy. That's hilarious, Jamie. That is by far the fastest you've gotten a Patreon plug in uh, in the history of the podcast. But that's it's what that means. Everyone, seventy bucks a month for internet. Look, I I didn't say it's cheap. You're out here working, Jamie. Uh, let's get into it today. Yeah, we're we're we gotta we gotta unpack a few things. We gotta unpack an interesting topic. But uh, as what has become the norm, Jamie, I'm gonna give you three minutes for Jamie soapbox. The segment on the podcast where Jamie rants about something that probably doesn't matter that much, but he's got to get it off his chest. No, it definitely matters to me. So I guess in the reality, it doesn't matter to anybody. Um, yeah, I wish we could record our, our pre-podcast chats, but there'd be way too much too much swearing. Um, one of the things too, so 
in the last like two weeks, I've been putting a lot of content out about tracking. And our last podcast was about tracking and a lot of the science around it. And just, we just want to reiterate that like when objects are moving at a very high speed, sometimes they exceed the limits of what we can actually like have an input, like see what's going on and create an output. And we call that to simplify it, pattern mapping. It's a nice, easy term. Um, what was the other term that we used? A couple. It's well, perception. It's basically essentially perception action coupling, which is if you're a big yeah. science nerd, if you're a big motor uh, skill acquisition and motor learning a person, perception action coupling is really simple. It's picking up what information from the environment you get and then the actual movement that responds to that environment, right? And sometimes we're able to do it really deliberately. Think of someone like underhand tosses a softball to you, you can watch it do. And other times, the like the, the information we get is not the flight of the puck or the ball, but it's all the pre-information that we have to make our movement decision based off of. Anyways, yeah, and, yeah, mental aspect of motor learning. And so with that, um, you know, that that post that I put out actually garnered a lot of a lot of shares, a lot of likes and stuff, which is good because I want more people to to understand and think and think critically because that's kind of my big mission with everything is improving goalie performance science literacy and uh there was a few uh, larger social media goalie coaches that were you know making fun of it which is fine like everyone's allowed to to do things um of course but you know it's it, it frustrates me because it's not as much as it i don't really care if someone makes fun of me like i make fun of me too like I, there's a lot of things i'm not good at like i'm, I'm a goofy guy i'm sitting outside in michigan talking on a podcast um Ultimately, I think not understanding the why and not having a basic understanding of some of the principles, especially the motor learning, biomechanics, sports performance principles, as a coach, hurts the the, your, the goalie community as a whole. Uh, you don't have to be a, uh, an absolute, I almost swore there, sorry. You don't have to be a PhD. You don't have to be like, a, you don't have to have even like a college education to be a really good coach. But I think you have to, you can't be, ignorant to science and performance science and it's really important and so you know the 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 term the thing that they were a lot of them are saying they're like no you absolutely can read the release and like things i'm like well look i i don't conduct any of this research there's been tens of millions of euros and dollars have been put into this research by people significantly smarter than me and we're just trying to distill it and translate it in a way that's easily digestible and understandable and also actionable like my post today, so it's Saturday the 11th, my post today was what, how do you actually treat the release? And it's just like getting a lot of reps and having tracking practice and doing all these things so that your brain can create that that map. And and so I, I, the example I was giving to some of my goalies because we were talking about this and I, it was during the normal team practice and I said, okay, when the guys are coming in on flow drills and they're, and you know shooters get, they come down to the top of the hash marks or bottom of the hash marks most of the time and just rip it like they don't care. And so I just said, okay, when they get that close, that tight, or even the top of the circles, where it's a dangerous area, I want you to yell out where they're shooting and see how you do. And they were terrible. The only ones they stopped were the ones that they guessed. And that's just like, it's, that's just the reality because you can't ca like consciously process that quickly. Um, so how, so if that's the case, and when someone's shooting, you're not looking at the blade and thinking, okay, that blade is angled up and he's twisted slightly. So that means he's going to be shooting high blocker and then still create something. How do we make saves? 
Well, we have an answer. We actually have a scientific answer to these things. And so you don't have to understand it and read the research, but you can't just be like, oh no, uh, you watch, watch the player's body. Just read the player's body. Okay, sure. Next time you go on the ice, so everyone listening, and I'm getting frustrated now. Every time you go on the ice, I, next time you go on the ice, I want you to, just for the fun of it, doing a flow drill, do what I just said before, see how that goes, especially when guys are shooting or girls are shooting really quickly. And then the second one is I want you to look at the player's body, not the stick, and then try to make the save. And then tell me how that goes. And you'll see, obviously, it's it's going to be difficult. And because you act your brain, pattern maps, what is the body doing? Because it has this vast archive of shots and what are the body positions? That's why it's so hard when a guy like Matthew shoots behind his body because he's catching a puck behind him and releasing it behind him. Your brain isn't used to that. Your brain isn't used to someone catching it, bringing it forward, and then shooting it. So it's completely different. Or when guys are really good at disguising the release, your brain can't put that input and get an output fast enough because it's completely new and novel. Or why are tips and why are fluttering pucks so hard to save? Because it's uh, it's a novel stimulus that our brain isn't prepared for. And so that's that's ultimately kind of where my rant's going is that it's okay to not understand science or or certain complex topics. I don't. There's so many things I don't understand. And I lost the time. I I and I know you didn't saw that, but I defer to you on so many things. Like Ben, can you explain this to me? Like I'm five, because it's important for for us to continually grow and progress. And we look at hockey and in terms of like sports science and sports research, it's so behind, like immensely behind. We look at like, especially the UK and Europe, all these like, especially like university affiliated teams or like big soccer clubs, they have the track and they have the data stuff. And the NHL is like getting that too, but the NHL doesn't like fund it, which I wish they would. And a lot of universities don't fund it in hockey. And there's a lot of barriers to that. Hockey's behind for a reason, and if people aren't pushing for it to to start to come and get to the other level of other sports, then it's always going to be behind, or people are always going to have to go out to private like places because they're not they're not going to get those resources from the team or from whatever because the teams can't afford it. So then they have to pay a lot of money for for certain things, and it 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 gets really frustrating. But ultimately, like ultimately to, to make a long story long is. I, it's, I don't, and we don't create this content or have goalie science podcast to, to talk about how smart we are or how clever and like cool we, it's, I do it so that I can, we can ultimately help the goalie community and start to bridge that gap. Like you say in the intro between, between science and the application on the ice and how can we put it in a way? Cause if I go on the ice and I tell my kids, Hey, I want you to pattern map this. No, I say, I want you to read the release and we're going to focus on some tracking situations and it's ultimately to, to build that, that, that bank. And so it's all to help the goalie community. We're not trying to overcomplicate it. And you know what? And if you're a coach listening and you don't understand, that's completely okay. What's not okay is to not go and try to learn it or learn from others, just like we learn from others, uh, to be able to advance your, your coaching practice. Thank you. That is definitely one, three minutes, but that's my right top of tea. I think if there's anything that I can personally add to that, um, 
because we talked a little bit about research last week and talked a little bit about some stuff from handball. But in those handball studies I talked about last week, uh, the goalies actually like still guessed wrong or still picked the wrong side when they were doing the task, trying to figure out from the video and from the simulation what side the player was going, right? And guessing is pretty common. A common thing or anticipation is a common approach in soccer and handball. We don't have as much anticipation in hockey because the net is relatively smaller to our positional abilities, right? Like for those of people who are listening who have ever seen a box across goalie, their job is to get in position and essentially try not to move too much, right? Because their equipment's so massive and the net's so small, right? That's why hockey is probably a little bit slow adapting from a goalkeeper anticipation side of things is because a lot of a lot of what goalies have done for a long time is just get in position and get hit. Like, I think a lot of people listen to this, um, and we have, I know we have a lot of younger goalies who do listen to this, but the parents listening are also going to know the, the mid and early 2000s, the blocking era was one of the worst eras to watch goaltending in. It was just so, there was not a single tracking they made. No. Like 2001 to 2005. <laughs> And it's, and that was a lot of that was the, the equipment development equipment and also like the development and goalie training, which wasn't necessarily, Mm -hmm. uh, like focused on tracking, but it was, it, it, it was outpacing where the players were. And because of that, there was such an advantage and then the gear had to get smaller and all these changes had to be made. And then, you know, now like with, with the way that sports performance and the business of it and like, well, the business driving everything, the money behind it. This, the players are outpacing the goalies and there's a reason yep, for that absolutely. and and eventually something is going to have to change or goalies have to get better or 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 maybe it's the new normal of giving up this many goals on average the average goals are higher i mean that's in again that's that's okay but then we have to accept that okay like having a an eight nine eight is going to be a good save percentage now and that's going to be the average save percentage so it's it's okay but we to not do anything and to not try to make changes and not try to grow and then to give answers to that that's where I get frustrated because I've been skating with so many goalies now that are doing something and I'll ask, I'll be like, okay, so why are you doing it this way? And that you know what their answer is? I don't know. My goalie coach told me why well, it's like, did you ask why did, did you ask why they say that? They no, they just told me to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, if you feel comfortable with it for sure, but you need to, ex- you need to explain to someone why you're doing something and what is the purpose and what is the advantage or the disadvantage and let them you know kind of add it or take it away from their game if, if they need it but to just like oh do this because i said so or like <laughs> sometimes i go down to rabbit holes on instagram and i saw it wasn't it wasn't me i was just looking at other some other people's profiles and like someone would like say something and it'd be like well i played i played hockey for 20 years you can't tell me what to do it's like well that's not really a good answer i played hockey for a long time but like Usually that's not my my thing. It's like, okay, the reason that I want you to use an RVH or each year is because this, not because that's how I used to do it. Because I probably wouldn't do what I did because I wasn't that green at a lot of things. So don't do what I did. Do you know what's one of those that is like, that's a really good example is that's something that I think we take for granted as coaches sometimes. Sometimes something as simple as why we shuffle post to post and why we don't T-push post to post. I, I That's actually... That's a good, you know what? My favorite example. Yeah. I, it's, I do, I love that because I love when I get like young kids, almost old, older goalies will shuffle. Either they've been told yeah. or they just figured it out. But the young kids always T-push. I love, I love that, talking about that. I love yeah. it. Oh yeah. And it's, and again, that's, I think one of my big examples of uh, when I'm working with new goalies or new goalies to me, 
and they may have skated with someone else or they may have not really trained with anyone else and they'll tee push for the first time and i'll tell them hey we're gonna want you to shuffle and then i explain why and i started yeah. i really started doing this in the past little while I say i want you to shuffle because you need to be able to go back the other way quickly you need to be able to go down you need to be able to slide and if you open that leg up to tee push you're not gonna be able to do half of those things and you, you also can't it, so as I say, and you also tr try looking behind you when you're T-pushing. Because if you're going post to post. I've never done no, I, This is the best thing. I always say, why are we going post to post? I don't know. Well, where is the puck? Where is the puck going? And if the puck's going behind the net from one side to the other, do a T-push, open up your hips, and try to turn around and tell me how your balance is. And they fall over every time. And so I say, this allows us to keep that balance, to keep being mobile, allow us to move into multiple different situations. That's why we go shuffle post to post. Uh, so that that now that you think that I realize that is also one of my favorite examples. Because uh, yeah. the young, it's like it blows the the mind the, the mind of some of these like yeah. eight or nine year olds that have never ever thought of that before. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, and that's what good coaching does. Is it explains not only why we're doing something, but as coaches, we want to give. We should want to give our goalies, our students, opportunities to make decisions that work. Right? There's some things that are pretty non-negotiable like this is a shuffle you should probably do it this way but having them understand what their options are and why they should select the option that works best for them sometimes they need to know the pros and cons of their option yeah right 100 percent. again like rightly for this this silly little shuffle t-push example once you explain it why we should probably do one over the other and then you ask them which one they want to use they'll use the shuffle even if the t-push is a little faster at first but they'll know that, yeah, this one's going to give me more choices. I'm going to be better. And again, that's pretty cool to see when, when little goalies get that because they're tiny humans and they're understanding your pretty complex theories of decisions that they have to make. Okay, that's enough of that, Jamie. Harsh transition. This is where we put our uh, commercial for our plug if we had one, but we don't. But we're we working don't. on that. Um, Jamie, this week we're going to talk about some goal setting. Uh, and after this little bit of rant and after this little bit of something that you want to get, you want to get off your chat, Let's get into something positive that we can do uh, with goalies out there. And so we had some people reach out. They were curious about, you know, what's a good way to goal set for a season as a goalie? How do we do that? What are things we can work towards? And then how do we measure those things as a goalie? So let's take it away, Jamie. Go ahead. Okay. So the first thing, this is a Patreon, Patreon question request. So again, that's one of the upsides of being on Patreon. You, you Your questions get answered on there. And then sometimes you get answered in the entire podcast. But uh, when it comes to making goals, it's important. So like how I like to set it up is to use that classic SMART goal setup. And I know like if you've been in school, you've probably talked about SMART goals and you're probably, and you're probably rolling your eyes right now. And, and you know, if, if you use it in healthcare with the amount of documenting and things you have to do with that, just to make sure that insurance will okay your, your billing, then SMART goals are probably okay for, for us just the normal performance like. So SMART stands for measurable, sorry, SMART. <laughs> smart smart stands for simple or specific specific never, i've heard both i've heard both okay. but it can be simple or specific specific measurable attainable realistic, realistic maybe the r is realistic yeah realistic and then it's i've heard the t time. is time time or time frame and so yeah. you want a goal that oh, is specific boy. so it's saying i want to i want to have a good season that's not a specific goal. So it's, I want to, I want to be in the top three of wins leaders 
that is a specific goal. Measurable is something that can be measured. Saying again, saying I want to have a good season. How do you measure that? That's the that is a subjective thing. If you want it to be measurable, then it's like okay, then you need to have some sort of stat. You need to have some sort of win loss, some sort of uh, objective uh, variable with that. The next is um, a, a attainable. Attainable. So it's attainable. Uh, me saying I want to win the Stanley Cup next year is not attainable. Could be a goal. That's not entirely true. You could get hired on as a me as a starting goalie. That is not attainable. That is not. <laughs> it's very. It's not not attainable, but it's probably it's. There's this, you'd have probably have a better chance of winning the lottery, and um. So that's something that's attainable, realistic. Again, so I would say that has to go into that you know winning the Stanley Cup, um, and then timeline. So something that you can say it. So within four months, I would like to, or at the end of the season, I would like to, and that gives you that time frame to work towards. So whenever I'm sitting down with with goalies, I'm creating goals. I try to make them smart goals, and then I also set them up in the two time frames: short term and long-term term and those short-term goals need to build into the long-term goals so if the goal is Jamie, we've got a major issue hold on we've got a major issue what's up the r is relevant neither of us are smart people the r is relevant not realistic relevant goals are i would like to win 10 games a not relevant goal it is i would like to hit a home run you can't do that in hockey so it's probably not relevant to your goals but wouldn't that also be similar to realistic? Because it's not realistic. Yeah, I think. Look, there's overlap. I just, I just, I, I just want to get ahead. You know what? I you know what? We're not the smartest. <laughs> we're not the smartest. There's a lot of things we're good at, and remembering acronyms is not one of remembering those. mnemonics is not. Yeah. So, so realistic or um, relevant or relevant will be the R, and I think they fall under the same umbrella. So that's how. I like to break the down. I think Ben does as well. And then short-term and long-term goals. So if your short-term goal is, you know, in the next three weeks, I would like, I would like to have 75% wins, something, something, something. And then over the course of this season is I would like to be the wins leader in the league and they build into each other. Yeah. And so the first thing that I'll say, and so that's kind of the overview of an idea of, of what goal setting can look like. I don't sit down with goalies and have them write out smart goals, um, but we definitely are influenced by you know the the framework that's used there. But there's a couple of tips that I think are really important for goalies to understand. And if you've been following the podcast for a little while, you've probably heard us talk a lot about how, as a goalie, you are at the mercy of your team and the other team a lot of the times. We are a yeah. reactionary position. Uh, that is, again, you can only stop what is shot at you. You cannot create things right you cannot create you can't say i'm going to make 20 glove saves a game because you have absolutely no ability to control that right you might not get 20 glove saves a game or glove shot, shots towards your glove side so don't think about that and so in that exact same vein looking at something like wins as an outcome as a goalie i always try to be really cautious about just because unfortunately as a goalie you cannot score a lot of goals for your team you might not even get one in your entire career. So wins feels like something that can be out of your control a little bit. And when we're making goals for ourselves and we're trying to see how we can measure and set those goals and achieve them, we have to be, again, a little bit aware of, of what we can and can't control. And so you can be a great goalie and you can win zero games in a season 
and you can have a 970 high danger save percentage. You'd have all these amazing statistics, but you didn't win the game because your team didn't score a goal, right? So that's just something that I think is worth considering as well, is how can you make the goals that are under your control? What can you control about your own personal goal setting? I, I agree, Eugene, 100% with that. I don't think, you know, if you want to set a wins goal, uh, I don't. I don't think it's the worst thing. I don't think it's the best thing just because it's it's not like you're playing golf where you are in control of your stroke and other than like things like the environment, you have a lot of you have a lot of control. But I know I know a lot of goalies do, but sometimes when I talk to goalies and they're making win goals, I'll usually say like I'll I'll try to tie it into something. It will be like I, you know, my I'll, you know, over the course of the next four months, I would like to have this many wins where I or this many games played where I feel confident or I stop something I, I can't feel confident it's not really measurable but I feel like I am able to stop 90% of the high danger scoring chances hopefully resulting in 75% more wins than losses and it's just like it's it gets complicated so actually goal setting for goalies is actually is not really easy I remember some teams growing up where they give you goals and they're always the same. Like, oh, I want a 930 save percentage. And I like, and it's just like, well, yeah, everyone does, yeah. man. Like, I, I still want one. Like, I haven't had one since college. Yeah. You know, like, uh, <laughs> uh, it's so it's, it, it is a little complicated, but just trying to be like realistic and relevant, I think is probably the main one and also measurable. It, I, I, and I like when goalies make their goals with a lot of things like out, outside where it's like, I will be able, like, if you, if you ever do like skating tests and I know skating tests are always like there's different, but it's like, I will improve my skate test ability, like speed by, yeah by a couple of milliseconds. Cause there's like, okay, like what I do is the start of the year and the end of the year, I have additions or like, I will get my middle splits down to four inches hovering above the ground by the end of the season. Okay, right. cool. And so those are things that are in your control, but, um, I will stop 90% of breakaways. Well, if, if Connor Bedard's coming down on you every time, you're, you're, you're <laughs> probably not, you know, it's hard <laughs> Uh, yeah. so that it's, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. And I think there's a few, there's a few that I really like a few that I've started using more. Um, and well, one of them is for, again, for like a performance setting on the ice and games, a couple of things. While we talked about short and long-term, I actually like using a bunch of series of short-term segments. So goalies in minor hockey and even junior goalies play a lot, a lot, a lot, of hockey, a lot of games, right? So. I like to think about things over maybe like a four or five game block, these like game cycles. So for the next four or five games, um, I don't want to let in uh, any medium danger stuff. I don't want to let in anything between just around the top of the circles. That's my goal. I want to dial in. I'm going to make sure I'm not going to let those in because that's that that distance that we've talked about before. You want to stop every one of them, but some of them do just go in. That's just the nature of it, right? Or a really good one that I've seen a lot, and I think it's totally fair to say this, is like over the next month, I don't want to give up anything from out other farther than above the top. Right? And you can try it. You can control that. That can be your goal. I'm going to be, you know, sometimes as goalies, we can be guilty of the one-on-two shot where you know that player's not coming in. You kind of aren't 100% focused on that shot. Right? We've all like almost been handcuffed by that or been scored on on that. Right. So having that as a short term goal for your performance, you can maybe that makes you a little bit more dialed in on those lower danger shots that maybe, you know, for some of us out there aren't always as focused as we can be. Some other things that Jamie, I think you mentioned really well is preparation goals or off ice actionable goals, right? Like I'm going to come to the rink every time 
and I'm going to get focused. I'm going to come in there. I'm going to get my, my warm-up stretching done. I'm going to be on time. And if your goalies are listening to their parents, maybe that can be a together goal. How do we make sure that we're getting to the rink on time beforehand so that you have enough time to prepare? So that can be an involved activity to you, right? Or if you're a junior goalie, how do you make sure that the people loading the bus are making sure it's on time? That matters too, right? Like I think everyone who's played junior college has showed up to a game late and that is a scrambling experience. Uh, so those are kind of some fun things too, right? I think and even like from like a statistic, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, even with that, there's sometimes there's things out of your control. I can give an example yeah. where, you know, I played in the UK and we were going to Cardiff and we showed up five minutes before warm up because there was four accidents. We, yeah. we, we like left, happens. yeah, like we left to be two hours before the game and it, tur- it just took us two, an extra two hours. So like, you know, there's so many times you can, so many, so many things you can control. So making those goals. How'd you play that game? You know what? We, we lost, but I actually played pretty solid. I played pretty solid in Cardiff. We lost in a shootout. Um, but like we got outshot, no chance. They were so good that year. We got outshot, no chance. Like, Hey, am I making this up? Sorry, this is a super tangent. I'm sorry, am I making this up or did you not set a record for like most shots stopped in a row when you were over in Manchester? Didn't you have like a 48 save shutout into like a 51 save shutout? Am I making that up? Oh yeah, I think I did. I think I did set a re- I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't know what it is though, but I remember I did something like a record setting. It was like most set. saves in a back-to-back game or something. Like yeah, it was it was definitely in Manchester. It's crazy that you remember these things and I don't. Uh I think just super like, fan, man. Super fan. I think the thought of just me after getting sacked, as they say, sacked um from the team <laughs> and crying in my little tiny wrong-handed car in the parking lot. I just like blacked a lot of these things out. Um, but I did something. I just did have a good game there. At least one good game. <laughs> no. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's talking Jamie's IHL career. But, no, to <laughs> kind of wrap up the, the, to kind of wrap up the goal setting thing, I think having again, short-term and long-term goals is a super healthy thing. I think if we can, we've talked a lot about kind of some, some statistics stuff the past few weeks, and you'd like to bring, you know, the data into, into hockey a lot. If you have something you want to aim for, if you are, again, a goalie, minor hockey, junior hockey, I think these are some good numbers. If you can try to aim to be 80% uh, save percentage inside the inner house, I think that's a really great number, right? Especially for our goalies who are on maybe teams that are struggling a little bit, teams that give up more chances, you might not be able to control your overall save percentage because your team is up a lot of high danger chances. But if you can be 80% on those high dangers, you're crushing it. You're doing a great job, right? Those inner slot shots. So that can be a goal for you. Same thing. I like the, I kind of like this new thing, this 80, 90, 97 rule. You'll like the arbitrary 97, but that's what I like for, for inner slots, those mediums, and then uh, those low dangers. If we can do that, then I think we're, we're doing a good job, right? Like, again, I always say that a shot from the point should be a 1% shot. You can see it. You should make 99 saves out of a hundred times that puck comes on net. And if you're doing that, you're doing a great job. So that's my statistics little slice in for those who are getting peppered a ton in those high danger areas. Make your goal again. Let's say I'm going to try to get an 80% save percentage on these high dangers. I'm going to try to control that. I'm not going to worry about it if, you know, we're giving up 14 a game. Yeah, they're going to score four goals. They're going to score three goals. That's going to happen, right? But control what you can control. Try to make that some valuable. And then like we talked about in this episode, right? Try to find goals that you can follow along with, whether they're in the short term, whether they're in the longer term. And I think that'll be really helpful. I like this, Jamie. I'm a, I'm a big believer in goal setting. 
Yeah. So I think this uh, is a, a good good kind of way for people here. I think so too. Uh, let's go into our next segment. Did we get Joseph Wolf a call up? Dustin Wolf a call up? Uh, a lot of people are saying that yes, this is us. We got Dustin Wolf called up. So everyone who all the media who reported on Dustin Wolf, uh, the fact that you did not credit us, the concerning. Yeah, it's actually pretty messed up that you gave him all the credit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but this is actually tends into another, a little bit of another topic that we'll use to to wrap these up. And I like to tie it a two part series is um, NHL goalies might not be the best in the league, but they are still the top sixty four best in the world. So when I when I posted a story saying that um, where I reposted someone else's story talking about Wolf's numbers, and I said like I think they should call him up. But the problem is he's behind Marshall and Vladar, who are two really good goalies. The amount of very good goalies, the amount of DMs I got, they're like they're both trash. They're so bad, and like, and it's it's hard because we like sports for whatever reason gives us this visceral emotional reaction where we just like we just get like just jump to it. But remember, like, you're still watching the best in the world, and like whenever I know, and you if you listen to this podcast or you ever talk to me. You'll know that whenever I talk about an NHL goalie, I'll say relative to their peers, they are very good or they are average or they are bad because they're still the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. They're still incredible, incredible talents. So just remember that it's not that easy. It's not that black and white. And so, and also just because they're pro athletes, it doesn't give us a right as people who are not pro athletes to to disparage them or like make fun of them even though we think it does we think we they think that they owe us something and they don't and it's like the jack ham it's like jack Campbell. jack Campbell gets sent down i can just assure you he knows that that that's not a good thing and he knows he hasn't been playing well and he knows he hasn't been playing well and he's on a bad team which is the worst combination of all and so like when he got called down the amount of like memes and like comments and all these things and i read them and like everyone commenting Imagine every time that you messed up at your job of who knows what it is. Like you're 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 making a coffee. Every time you send a bad report out. Yeah, every time you send a bad report, just the internet blows up and tells you how like how awful you are and how like you know like they they legit death threats and like horrible things. And so it's like stop before you go and like become a keyboard warrior. What would you do if that was you, or what would you do if that was your kid? How would you feel if that was your kid or your friend? And you, you sit there and you're like, ah, okay. And you know what, Cage? Jack Campbell got sent down to the American League. He's now in the top 128 best goalies in the world. So still be back. Still pretty darn good. Um, do I think he's a great goalie relative to his peers? No, I, I don't. And I think that that's okay. But he's still one of the best goalies in the entire world. So I, I get frustrated to see that because I, in all sports, and no matter what the sport is, I get frustrated because it's like, look, these are people too. This is their jobs. And yes, like you being a pro athlete, you open yourself up for criticism, but like relax. Like, do you really need to have, does there really need to be 2000 comments talking about how bad Jack Hamlet's got sent down? Like, okay, everyone agrees with you. Sweet. Like, I, I don't know. It's that's that's talk, and that's talking online bullying. That's talking cyberbullying. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have nothing to add to that. I think Jack Campbell's a really nice guy. I think he's really struggled in Edmonton. And I hope he doesn't continue to struggle. I hope he kind of finds a little bit of joy and I hope he finds some success in Bakersfield and then he can come back up and uh, help the Oilers, who are the worst team in the NHL are giving up high danger chances. Well, rush chances, I should say. They're the worst rush team in the NHL. 
and Jack Campbell struggles a little bit on the rushes. One last comment. Um, Jack Campbell, as he was sent down, was actually uh, on the season less than two goals below expected uh, from some, some of the, from the advanced models of the goaltending performance, which like is not good. It's, it's below zero, so it's bad. But it's like not that bad. You know what I mean? Like he was, he wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that bad. And so people can agree and disagree with that as it is. But that's just my one extra note. He was not that bad. Uh, he struggled. It was not like, it, was, it wasn't like it was a bad goal at the um, Jamie, before we're we low get, on time. Today. Yeah, I know, but hold on, we're cut off. We're low on time. No, no. Before we get into good shot, bad goal, good shot, good goal, or whatever we want to call it, um, we always talk about how with young with young athletes, young goalies, we want them. It's actually sometimes better to be on a bad team to get like a lot of shots growing up. But do you think that if you play it on the San Jose Sharks now, like a really bad team, the Edmonton Oilers, I guess San Jose Sharks, you're almost like a meme how bad you are, and everyone expects you to lose. Do you think you can play almost carefree because you're so bad? Or is the constant shellacking detrimental long-term? I think someone's going to pay Mackenzie Blackwood a lot of money because he's going to have a lot of really good games this year where he makes a million saves. And so if I'm Mackenzie Blackwood, who bet on himself going to San Jose as a new chance to be a starter, but for him, someone's going to pay him a lot of money. Should they pay him that much? We'll see. Time will tell how much money he gets. Okay, Jamie, we'll last few minutes are yeah. wrapping up here. The segment, as you should know by now, because it's our second time doing it, is good shot, bad goal of the week. And our good shot, bad goal of the week, goalie recipient, is Caden Primo, who unfortunately got beat short side on an RVH goal. Uh, and we had a great 10-minute debate before this podcast about uh, what went wrong on this. And honestly, not a lot went wrong. Um. He was a little low on an RVH and someone went short side and pinged him. He wasn't paddled down. He wasn't skated on post. He didn't get a perfect steal. He wasn't skated on post, Jamie. Don't bring this back up. We've got the video. Jamie's going to superpose, superimpose. I am. I am going to argue in the comments. I want to see the comments. I want to see what people are saying. Was he skated on post or was it just not a perfect boot lock? Uh, either way, yeah. short side RVH goes, Jamie, they're never fun. Yeah, never fun. Uh, I do thoroughly believe that he was skated on post. He's probably hit the toe. He was not skated on post. Probably the toe of his skate. He's probably the toe of his skate on the post. Well, he definitely wasn't boot flat, like boot nice tight uh, seal. So good shot. Uh, I watched it uh, many times, and I was like, "Would I? Do you think RVH is the right choice?" I do. I actually do think it was the right. I choice. think it was the right choice because I looked at. it, I was like, maybe he should have bumped. No, no. He was still right choice. Like, where, where I call the golden triangle, and it's not a perfect rule, but it's still in that shot. Um, the only thing is, maybe he could have had that back his anchor leg just a little bit more forward or less flat, so we could have pushed up more. But even then, yeah, you saved it. I don't know. We don't know. He's still a good shot. Sometimes, like good shot, not a fun goal to let in. Yeah, that's the one thing I would say. Maybe if we can, for goalies out there, if you're in an RVH and someone's looking for that small spot over your short side shoulder. Make sure your back leg and back gate are engaged into the ice. You don't want to have a relaxed back leg. You want to be pushing into your post with your back leg, and that'll help you shore up that short side. Say it a million times of practice. I say it a million times of practice. It's your anchor leg. It's your anchor and your rudder. It needs to lock you in the post. and needs to be able to use it to control yourself. Ooh, I like that a lot. All right, that's what we got this week. A little bit on goal setting. Jamie's soapbox and uh, a little couple extra segments on the end. So, Jamie... It's that time of the episode. Where should people find you and where should people subscribe to you? Uh, well, subscribe to uh, to me on Patreon. 
follow Ben and I on social media, it helps. If you live in the greater Oshawa area and you have a high quality camera or phone that you would like to donate to Ben, we're try. I, I am trying and harping on Ben. So if we can increase the video quality of the podcast, it's kind of our, our next goal as Ben absolutely destroys the contracts of his, his place. We are trying to improve the video quality. Uh, that's going to be our goal probably over the next month from the Christmas holidays and actually maybe an, finally an in-person pod over Christmas when I come home. But hey. um, yeah, leave comments. Let us know about that uh, new role. Was he skate on post? Was he not? Um, comments, likes, shares, do everything. Just we appreciate this a ton. We just appreciate people for listening and actually, you know, kind of caring about science and performance. And most importantly, Please let Jamie know that Caden Primo's escape was not <laughs> That is the most important that you can do. All right, Jamie. Uh, hopefully this was helpful, people. I hope you will enjoy this. And I hopefully we can hear some some goal setting that goal is going to do for maybe the rest of the season or moving forward here because that'd be really fun. But for now, talk to you next time. Next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.